If you would take your Bible and let's turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. We've been going through the uh, various accounts of the Great Commission. Uh, we looked at the Great Commission, all four accounts at one time, and then we uh, last Wednesday, we looked at the account found in Luke. Uh, this evening, I'd like to look at the account found in Mark chapter 16, because in each account, you see different things. If you had, uh, if you had four people, you know, some people are, you know, are, you know, are curious why there's four Gospels instead of one authoritative gospel record of what happened. You know, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course, those Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, they're called synoptic gospels because they are, they, they cover most of the same material. And then you have John who's, uh, you know, a lot different than Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But if you were to, if you were to see a car accident, you, you had four people standing on the four corners of a, of a, of an intersection and you were to see a car accident from four angles, you would see the same event, but you would see four different perspectives of the same event, and certain things would stand out to you versus me versus the other two people on the other two corners. And that's what we have. We have a full picture. And sometimes, if you were standing on that, in that intersection and you saw that car accident, sometimes what one witness said would seem to contradict what the other witness said. And sometimes you run into that when the four the four Gospels as well. They don't contradict, it's just there's different perspectives. And so, uh, and so we're going to look at one of the accounts of the Great Commission. Of course, we know, we've already studied this, that the Great Commission is not actually four accounts of the same event. The Great Commission in Matthew and Mark and Luke and Acts are actually four separate events. So we've already studied that. And last time we talked in Luke about uh, how Luke's, the Great, Great Commission account in Luke was primarily about the message. And we looked at, at how that Christ died according to the scriptures. He, it, he, it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And so Luke concentrated and emphasized and focused on the message of the Great Commission, and Luke is the first one in chronological order. And then we get into Mark chapter 16. Let's start in verse number 14. Verse 14 says this, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. This is, of course, after the resurrection of Christ. And upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after that the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for the opportunity to meet together as a church. Lord, thank you for everyone that's here. And Lord, some, uh, some are not here uh, due to illness, due to uh, circumstances outside of their control. And some are not here possibly that, that should be here. And uh, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Uh, we just pray that you would encourage your people, however they're listening, however they're focusing in and receiving the word here, to, here this evening. I pray, Lord, that you give me wisdom to know what to say to your people and you would help the message of your word to come out clearly. You would help us all to learn and to profit. And especially, Lord, that this subject that we study here tonight about the Great Commission would sink down deeply into our hearts and, Lord, would be a part of our life and, uh, and our desire and our mission as individuals, even as it is the mission of the church. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you. Lord, we certainly do ask for your help and your grace Without you, you said we can do nothing. And Lord, that not only includes the, the hearing, but also the preaching. And so, Lord, please give grace to each and every person here as they listen to the Word. And uh, give open ears and open hearts to what your Word says and stir among us. Because we need you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Mark chapter 16 is kind of an interesting chapter because verses 9 through verse number 20... Is, is sometimes called the longer ending of Mark. How many of you have ever heard that? The longer ending of Mark. And they say if you cut off uh, Mark at basically at verse number 8, that's the shorter ending of Mark. And when you read some Bibles, modern Bible versions, uh, after verse 8, there'll be a little note. And it'll say something like, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16, 9 through 20. But then uh, when they say the early manuscripts, I'm not going to get too in the weeds here, don't worry. Not that I could, but I'm just not going to. What they're referring to are two manuscripts called Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. Sinaiticus. Those are two very old manuscripts indeed, but what's interesting is those do not have the last uh, eight verses of Mark, there, or uh, ten verses of Mark, eleven verses, however many it is. Uh, but they left a space. All the other manuscripts have this section of Mark, except those two, and those two left a space where they should be. So the question arises, why they leave a space? Uh, it's just an interesting fact about this portion that we're covering, because it is a part, of course, that we, we believe and know is supposed to be in the Bible. And I sure hope that the Bible you're holding does not have some little note that's uh, intended to question whether or not verses 9 through 20 are there. Uh, so we get into the Great Commission in verse, number, uh, in verse number 14 and verse number 15. What's interesting in verse number 14 is that the Lord, He chides them. The word here is upbraids them. He reproves them because of their unbelief. Now we know in the book of John, this is around the time that, that the Lord came and appeared after He had risen from the dead. He appeared uh, to the disciples and John was... Or John, uh, Thomas, I keep saying John, Thomas was not present. And Thomas said, unless I see him and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. And then later, Thomas was present. And then Jesus appeared to them again. And that's where you have that fantastic account where the Lord shows him his hands and shows him his feet and the side. And he said, thrust hither thy hand into my side and see it is a spirit hath not flesh and bone, you know. And he, he shows him 
and they feel the Lord and they feel his body and the, they see and see not the scars, but the marks of the cross uh, in his body. And so that's what this, that's where we are here. That's where we are here. You know what's amazing? In the same in the same setting as the Lord as the Lord upbraids them, and he says, You should have believed me when people told. I told you all those other times before I went to the cross how that I would rise from the dead. And then after I went to the cross, and after three days, these women came to you, and then later men came to you, and they said, We've seen the Lord, and you didn't believe him. You should have believed him. You're so slow to believe. They had a lack of faith, right? And then the next word is what? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I found that kind of, kind of comical. The Lord did not consider their, their faulty faith, maybe we could say it like that, as disqualifying. Because he knew they would get that, they'd get that figured out. Secondly, he, his commission and what he gave them to do, the mission he gave his disciples to do, he expected them to do despite the faults that they had. And you know what? That's, that, do we all not serve God in a way that's very faulty? It's just, it's like, it's like Jacob when he, was, when he walked after his uh, wrestling with the angel and he halted for the rest of his life. That is, he limped. But you know what? He did follow God even if he limped. And that's the way we often follow God. We kind of limp, limp along, you know. Uh, that's, that's just the reality of it. And you know what? The disciples were no different. The Lord did not disqualify them because of their unbelief. Now, he chided them over it, and he told them, you should, you should have more faith than this. But that, the, the very next thing, here's your mission. The Lord would take care of that. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I just want to go through the, the different words in this, as we, just like we did in Luke. I love to slow down and look at this, but we got, can't slow down that we miss the forest for the trees. We want to see the trees, but we also want to see the forest. The word go. The word go is used in Matthew and in Mark, but not in Luke or Acts, although it's implied. At this time, the disciples were in Jerusalem. And of course, we know they would eventually go to uh, Galilee and then they would come back to Jerusalem because remember, uh, somebody help me, uh, trivia question, how long was it between the time that Jesus rose from the dead and the time that he ascended? How long? 40 days, that's over a month. So there was time for them. They went up to Galilee and they came back to, and, and, and the Lord wasn't with them every moment. He, he appeared to them at different times and, and showed them various miracles and things, John tells us. But they were in at this time and then eventually in, in the book of Acts, they were in Jerusalem. And the expectation then is that is not that people will come to them but the Lord says, go. The expectation is that they would need to go to those outside of where they were. That reminds us, that reminds us that, remember, the church is primarily for believers. Primarily for believers. You know, we, we invite people to come to church. We have these cards. I encourage you, uh, again, you know, the cards, uh, uh, those of you have given out cards and there's already been some visible, you know, 
encouraging fruit. And we don't know other than that, you know, what people are doing or considering or whatnot. But we've already seen some encouraging fruit that people are taking the cards and handing them out. And I, I say that's excellent. That's awesome. And we do that. But listen, our evangelism cannot be just simply inviting people to come into the building and expect the preacher to give the gospel. And we'll try, <laughs> we'll try to give the gospel, right? But shouldn't every believer give the gospel? That's what this is talking about. Go, go. To go is to invade the dominion of the enemy. In here, we're in the, we're in the fold, right? We're in the, the enclosure, the pen where the sheep are kept, where we can, we can enjoy one another's fellowship. Listen, I go, when I go around to, to, to talk to each one of you, you know, with a couple of exceptions, I don't have to worry if anybody's going to say foul language or whatever. No, I'm just, no, there's no exceptions to that. Everybody's like, Lord, is it I? Is it I? <laughs> if you have a conscience about that, you need to repent. <laughs> but you know, we talk, we fellowship with one another, and you know, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about, you know, what we're going to talk about. We know it's going to be encouraging. It's going to be, it's going to be uplifting and strengthen each other, edifying one another. But we know the moment we leave here, all bets are off on that. We're going into the realm of the enemy. And, but the Lord says go because he does not expect us to remain among friends. The Lord wants our work to be offensive in nature, not just defensive. God wants us to actively, the word go now, He wants us to actively seek those who do not know Him and to not suffer them to remain as they are. That's all in the word go. Go also shows us, as I said, that the church is primarily for strengthening believers rather than a place of evangelism. Now, here's the thing you got to understand, that back in the 70s and in the 80s, evangelism was largely centered around the church. That the churches were taught to bring people in. They had huge things and, and uh, drives to bring people in. And it's not that that's bad, but that's not really totally consistent with the Great Commission if, if that's the sum total of our evangelism. That's just the reality. What about all those people that will never darken the door of this church? How are we going to reach them if that's the only way we evangelize? And besides that, what about, what, about the, what about the necessity? What about the spiritual benefit to each and every one of us of telling somebody else the gospel with our own lips, with our own tongue? You can't get that if you just invite them here and the preacher does all the work. Of course, the preacher's happy to, but you and I as individuals should also be happy to. And lastly, the thing about go, go, and I cover this in my missions class, the tabernacle is to go implies someone sent you. And that's what this is all about, missionaries. Missionaries go because there's a church that's sending. There's a Lord that's sending and even as we go out and do evangelism, which we're going to get cranked up here shortly, even as we go and evangelize, the church is sending people out to tell others of the Lord. Now look at, the, look at verse 15 again. The next word is ye. Now I'm not going to go through every word, so we're not going to cover of and 
the and all that, but for the first two, we're gonna we're gonna look at them in detail, okay? Ye. Who 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 is being spoken to here? Who is who is being spoken to here? Me. No. Verse 14 says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. The eleven disciples are here. So this command was given to the eleven disciples, but notice it says, Go ye into all the world. How are eleven men going to go into all the world? <laughs> Is that not a tall order? I would say impossible, right? But you know what? This And this is a feature of the Great Commission. What it tells us then is that this was not just intended for them. You get to other parts of the Great Commission in Matthew. We'll cover that maybe next Wednesday or maybe on Sunday. And it says, it says, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. These men were not going to live that long, especially at this period in time is the persecution. They were, they were mostly going to be put to death. So this command is not just for the eleven. It's spoken directly to the eleven historically, but it has significance and it has import to us, to all believers. This, I mean, this command is still in effect. This has not been rescinded, right? That's what we see from the word ye. All right, look at the next phrase. All, go ye into all the world. Now in Matthew and in Luke, we have the term all nations. Nations, anybody, anybody want to take a stab? What does nations refer to in a biblical sense? Yes, sir. People groups. So nations, biblically, is not, refer, is not referring to like Germany or Russia or Uganda, which are political boundaries on land. Nations refers to people groups. In fact, in Cambodia, where the Browns, where the Browns were, there are people that live in the town where the Browns live that are not Cambodian. They're Vietnamese, but they don't live in Vietnam. Ethnically, they're Vietnamese. So their nation is Vietnamese, but their, their citizenship is Cambodian. Their bloodline, it's, it's hard for us sometimes to understand because we're a melting pot in our country, but in a lot of countries, that does not exist, right? They keep separate, like the Bulgarians and the Gypsies, the Roma, separate. They live in the same country. They're citizens of the same country, but they are not the same nation. But what we see here, all the world, is geography. Not people. Places. Places. See, with, when you have the term nations, all nations, what you're talking about are differences in language, differences in culture, differences. You have language barriers, cultural barriers, religious barriers. But then when you get to the word all the world, you have a completely different set of realities, harsh realities oftentimes, because you're going to different geographies, harsh environments, unfriendly environments, such as the deserts, such as the tundras, such as the jungles. Those are all different environments, but those, he says, all the world, that is where people live, geography. This is part of the Great Commission. It's not only we go to where people, not only every nation, but every place. Every place. Of course, every place where there are people. I think that's evident from the next phrase. But if that's the case, what does that say about our responsibility to reach people near us? that have different cultures or languages. In other words, people in, there are people in Greenville who are in our geography, right? 
They're, they're in our geographical area, but they're really of a different nation. What is our, I just want to ask, Choice Hills Baptist Church, real quick, just, just something to think on. What is our responsibility toward Hispanic people? Is our responsibility, is, it, is, is this a valid just excuse to say, well, they speak Spanish, I speak English, so... They need to know the gospel too. They do. Well, I can't learn Spanish. You might be surprised. I mean, could it be that the Lord might want somebody or some people in our church to learn Spanish? Did you know in Cambodia, there, there's a man, his name is Dave, Dave Board is his name. He lived for a long time in Long Beach, California, where there is a huge Cambodian population. We're talking 70,000, 80,000 Cambodians in Long Beach, California. Dave Board was, was in a church, First Baptist Church uh, of, no, he was at Pacific Baptist Church of Long, in Long Beach. And he, because there were so many Cambodians, he learned Khmer. And he began, he started a Cambodian ministry. And that Cambodian ministry out of Pacific Baptist Church is now sending missionaries to Cambodia. Cambodian American missionaries to Cambodia. You know why? Because a man, God put in the heart of a man to learn another nation's culture and language. We're in his own geography. And that bore fruit that is still bearing fruit generation after generation after generation. Look, we have so many Hispanic people around here. I think we have some measure of responsibility toward those nations that God has brought to us. In our, around us. So that's just something for us to think about. We have, of course, we have Spanish tracts, and you, you, you take those. You don't have to understand Spanish to shove it in somebody's face, <laughs> right? Just, or learn a phrase. I got to keep going. Next word, and preach the gospel. Notice the word preach, preach. That means the dictionary definition is to proclaim, to expound, to promulgate by speaking, and here's the key, in public. All right, here's, here's the key about this. Preaching is, is set kind of distinctive from teaching or debating or convincing, something like that, because preaching is not a back and forth. Preaching is proclaiming and asserting the truth, and preaching is also public. Public. Think about, listen to this verse, okay? Acts 20, verse 20. If you want to note it, I'll read it. It says this, Paul speaking to the Ephesians, he says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, notice, and from house to house. So you have public ministry, private ministry. Public ministry, house to house in private. He did both. You know what? Our evangelism has to, needs, needs that kind of multi-fat. Well, I'm, I'm shy. Somebody might see me. If I, if I go to where people are, somebody might see me and recognize me. Well, maybe that's what we all need. We need our neighbors and our friends to see that we're the crazies that are passing out gospel tracts in downtown Greenville. Yeah, we're crazy. The question is, are you that crazy? To be willing to do that. Are you, are you willing to be the spectacle? To be, this is the word preach. This is public, okay? Now, we're not saying, Miss Judy, oh, she might want to stand on the street corner and preach. 
and wave her cane around. Amen. She might want. <laughs> but we're not saying the ladies might not do that. But that's not, that's not all preaching is. Preaching, that's one way to proclaim. But there's also, the idea is that it's public. You're witnessing publicly. And that's something, listen, when you, I'm just telling you from personal experience, when you stand publicly and you, uh, you make a spectacle of yourself, you really do help yourself spiritually. Because you can't, there's no hiding. You, you're standing unashamed. And that helps you. And it helps me. Notice what it says, the gospel. We've already covered this in Luke. Preach the gospel. We already, that was the message outlined in Luke. The next part says, to every creature. The every creature. This takes it to another level. This is not all nations. This goes down to every single individual. Wow. The Lord wants us to seek out every... But what does that say about God's love and God's desire toward humanity? He wants every individual to be saved. He gave... The Lord Jesus gave, gave His life for every single individual. That's why He tells the priest the gospel to every single individual, every creature, every person that God created. Every person. And this ensures that our work's going to be, that the work of the Great Commission is going to last forever. Because you can go to all nations. You know, some people do that. They have these, uh, these pushes, these, uh, what do they call them? Uh, uh, I want to say missions or programs or whatever they, they invent. And they're they're going to go to every village or they're going to go to every nation or they're going to do this. They're going to put, but so they, they have like two people that go into this village or two people that go into this entire people group of like several thousand people. And they're like, Good, we're covered. But, but the Great Commission goes down to every single individual of that group, right? That just means we got a big job. And notice what it says as we move forward, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Don't be, don't be troubled by this verse. Just remember, it says... But he that believeth not shall be damned. There's no use in mentioning baptism if you don't believe. And it's a nat is it not a natural display of your faith to be baptized when you believe, right? So don't let this verse trouble you. You know, if we didn't have this verse in Acts 2.38, there are denominations that would not exist. But... This verse is here. Don't, don't let it, don't let it uh, trouble you. But here's the dirty little secret about people that think you have to be baptized to be saved is they don't think you have to be baptized to be saved. What they think is you have to be baptized and believe, like they say, that actually the baptism is saving you. So it's not, I remember one time I was talking to a, a person, a Church of Christ person, and they say, oh, you got to be baptized. I say, oh, okay, I've been baptized. <laughs> And then, oh, no, 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 that's not good enough. You see what I'm saying? It's not about being baptized. They don't care what this verse says, okay? Just, so don't let it bother you. You have to, I heard one person say, you have to believe that the blood is in the water. Besides being kind of nasty, the idea that Jesus' blood is in the baptistry, that's, that's just kind of, but that's what they say. That's what, that's what people say. So it's not just you have to believe in Christ and be baptized. No, you have to believe in Christ 
and you have to be baptized and do exactly the, what we say and believe exactly what our church teaches. You see, that's that what that is. That's disingenuous. All right, let's keep going. We're running out of time here. He that is that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Here's what I, I want to point out from this. When we share the gospel, there is an ultimatum. There is a choice to be made. And we must present people with that choice. And secondly, when we present them with that choice, part of our message then is a warning of damnation. If they do not receive Christ and believe in Him, they will be damned. This is part of what the Lord wants us to take. Remember, this is the context of the Great Commission. This is part of the message. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Quickly. Five signs. Okay? Why is it people only talk about three? Nobody wants to talk about handling snakes or drinking poison. You can find some people that handle snakes. Listen to this. This pastor, I won't say his name, but he was a pastor of the Full Gospel Tabernacle in Jesus' name in Middlesboro, Kentucky, was handling a rattlesnake during a service when he was bitten on his right hand Sunday, Saturday night. This is in 2014. But when the ambulance arrived at 8.30, the EMS team found that he had already gone home, according to a statement from the Middleborough Police Department. Middlesbrough Police Chief Jeff Sharp told ABC News that, according to the people of the church, he verbally refused treatment at the church. He said he, uh, he, said he was unconscious when he got to, to his house. When the ambulance crew arrived at his home, his wife signed a form declining medical treatment. Emergency personnel left at about 9, 10 p.m. that night. When they returned about an hour later to check on him, police said he was dead from a venomous snake bite. Prior to his death, this pastor himself had been bitten nine times, and each time he refused medical attention. I'm not making fun of him. I mean, that's a terrible thing because you were deluded about a verse. Nobody wants to talk about this. All they want to talk about is tongues, healing, and devils. Tongue, tongues, but it all goes together. It all goes together. If those that believe they speak in an unknown tongue, they call it an angelic language, if they were going to follow through, then they would need to assert all five to be consistent. But what's important about these verses is verse 17 says, and these signs. And then verse number 20 the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You see that? What's the purpose of the signs? The signs are not an end of themselves. The signs' purpose was to support and give evidence to the word. That's the key, what I want you to understand. The language in Acts, as we see this, describes events Uh, These sign events that had specific purpose to confirm the Word of God, but the preaching of the Word was the main concern. 
The signs were not the end. That's what we see today. The tongues, the devils, all these things that most of that, to be honest with you, most of that is just a sham. It's, all, it's just mostly fake. They're just babbling. Well, you're being mean. I'm just telling you. There's places you can go to learn how to do this. This is not a spiritual thing. Most of this is just a sham. It's, a lot of it's been investigated, and it's a sham. But the real thing here, you know, of course, you see that you see people promote the signs and stuff, but the, but the signs are the main thing. The signs are the end. The, the, it's, it's not about the word. It's about the signs. But the Scripture says it's about the word. One, uh, one commentary I read, I thought it was good. He said, the signs authenticated the faith of the early believers proclaimed, not the personal faith that any one of them exercised. That's what it is nowadays. It's, you show the sign to prove that you have faith. Well, that's not right. That's not what's happening here. God gave these miraculous signs to prove the word. And lastly, I love verse 20. After the Lord, verse 19, goes to heaven, verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. They obeyed the Lord working with them. The Lord's in heaven, but He's helping. That means we are not in this work of the Great Commission alone. In Luke, the Bible says they would be, the Lord promises they would be endued with power from on high. So we need to remember that the Lord is involved in His work. And when we go to preach the gospel, whether it be locally or we send missionaries, the Lord promises to assist us in small and big ways. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but listen, but God gave the increase. That's God working. Matthew 9, 37. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know what that means? That means God is working. 2 Corinthians 6.1 We then as workers together with him. That's God working. The Lord says, I will be here to help you. This is my work. I will help you. We do not go out alone. God is with us. And you know what? He will make His presence known. So therefore, if He is with us, we then should not be shy to engage of the work of evangelism fulfilling the Great Commission. His, the, the knowledge that He is there to help us should help us overcome that reluctance that we might have. The Lord is with us in this work. He didn't send us out to do it ourselves. He is actively involved. Let's pray.